Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Vet Method Podcast, where we bring team training concepts to practices who want to grow revenues through leveraging a high-performance team. My name is Sanjay Mangabai, and I'm in Salisbury in the southwest of England. And today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Elise Latcher. Hi, Elise. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Great to be here. So where are you based, Elise? Well, when it's not COVID, I'm based in airplanes because I travel to our clients <laughs> every year. But in COVID, my animals live in Gainesville, Florida. So that's where I am right now. Oh, fantastic. A nice part of the world. Absolutely. A little bit about Elise. She's a recovering social worker and a certified public accountant who works with veterinarians to help them achieve their personal and professional goals. Elise, personally, I found it very difficult to identify what my personal and professional goals actually were. Do you help your clients identify those things? Yes, I do. As you probably are aware right now, there's a lot of interest in work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And professionals, many of the veterinarians, I've worked with veterinarians for over 40 years. So Mm -hmm. many of my early veterinarians, including my partner, Mm -hmm. were veterinarians that worked the 90-hour work weeks and never got to see their children performances in school or be home for dinner or those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it's really changed today, but there's still a feeling of guilt if they're not at work taking care of all of the animals that need their help and all of the demands that are going on in their businesses. And mm-hmm. they're just having trouble reconciling what they should be doing with what they're actually doing. So I've told people, even when I was a certified public accountant working at an accounting firm, I used to lecture at the universities. And I tried to get the deans to understand that when we're in a public business, Mm -hmm. it's really important that we have some of those soft skills, which are really kind of hard skills, Mm -hmm. but the communication and empathy and being able to talk with people, Mm -hmm. the emotional intelligence that we hear so much about today. So when I'm working with our clients, I don't tell them how to cut up a dog and put it back together again. Mm -hmm. It's all achieving the goals that they have for their business, which is Mm -hmm. dependent on having the culture that they want in their business. And then to help them be comfortable with leaving the office in time to get home to have dinner with their children. Wow, fantastic. An admirable goal. (laughs) (laughs) And it works. It really does work when you get your team, get the right team helping you with what needs to be done. You really don't have to be there into the wee hours of the morning doing the things that you shouldn't be doing. Fantastic. So that brings us up to the title of the podcast, which is Shift Happens, Embracing a 21st Century Management Style in Your Practice. And we're going to talk about that for the next few minutes. So Elise, if you're ready, let's start with question number one. Who is your ideal client? A veterinary practice owner who is disappointed with the culture in their practice and who is not achieving the goals that they have set out that they wanted to achieve in their Mm -hmm. practice. Generally, I find that the older millennials tend to gravitate more to what we're saying. The more mature practice owners have always done it their way. Mm. But it's interesting that I'm beginning to have more mature veterinary practice owners saying, I've done this for so many years and it's still, I'm not feeling fulfilled. So Mm -hmm. they want to, they're talking about their legacy. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They're not all interested in selling to the consolidators, but they want their legacy to be something that the younger veterinarians will, in fact, be interested in buying. Okay, so you're kind of reminding them why they became vets in the first place and maybe why they decided to get into practice ownership. Absolutely. Absolutely. You all had that phenomenal reason why you applied to vet school at some Mm -hmm. point. But as you work in the profession, Mm -hmm. I find it very difficult to listen to them question whether or not it was a good decision on their part. And I have lots of animals. So I really want to have (laughs) veterinarians around to take care of them. Fantastic. Perfect. That leads us nicely on to question number two. What's the biggest problem your clients face and how do you solve it? We help them change the culture of their practice to be more in alignment with why they wanted to become a veterinarian in -hmm. the first place. Key to my philosophy in running a business is kind of bordering on what Jim Collins wrote about in his book, Good to Great. You've got to get the right people in the right seats on the bus going in the right direction. And unfortunately, most business owners, not just veterinarians, Mm -hmm. have had little training in how to hire. It frequently boils down to, I hired them because I liked them. Mm -hmm. And in all reality, most of us can behave ourselves for a 30-minute interview. They report, however, that they have less than a 50% success rate in keeping the the staff members that they've hired. Mm -hmm. One of strategic clients, however, took our training method to heart. And Mm -hmm. it's based on Patrick Lencioni's Ideal Team Player book. Mm -hmm. But he took our training methods to heart, and they have increased their hiring success to over consistently over 90%. Mm -hmm. They only lose team members when the team members get into vet school or some family circumstance required that the team member move on. But they actually, in today's environment, Mm -hmm. have a waiting list of people who want to come to work for them Mm -hmm. and have had veterinarians seek them out. So this stuff works, but it does take work. Absolutely. So that's such an incredible story. And, you know, from what you're saying, you know, you've got to get the right people on the bus. Otherwise, you're just never going to get to the right destination. And it's learning how to select those people. And it's not always based on qualifications. It's, you know, how they interact with people, their ability to communicate, things like that. Oh, absolutely. It's Mm -hmm. been a saying Mm -hmm. for years in the hiring world that you hire for attitude Mm -hmm. and train for skills. And yet you read most veterinary practice ads looking for support team or veterinarians, and they all say experience preferred. And the interesting thing is there's not a single person out there that you're hiring Mm -hmm. that has ever had experience in your practice. So (laughs) you've got to look for the character and the attitude of the people. Now, obviously, with a veterinarian, they have to have graduated from vet school. So they've got some understanding of that the knee bone is connected to the neck bone kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I'm not a veterinarian, so I use off-the-wall examples. Mm -hmm. But veterinarians have the basic skills, but they've never worked in your vet practice. Even receptionists and nurses or technicians have never worked in your practice. So Mm -hmm. you've got to get the right person into your practice 
and then use some form of an onboarding program. We use phase training in our practices Mm -hmm. in order to get the person up to speed and Mm -hmm. knowing what, how we do things in our practice. You know, surgery packs can be put together many different ways. And just because you've done them in a previous practice doesn't mean that you can get it the way we want it done in our practice. You're absolutely right. So that's a light bulb uh, moment for me that I wish I knew years ago that potential candidates obviously haven't worked in your particular practice with its own culture and its own, you know, intricacies and things that you do differently. And that's important because that's how they integrate and that's how they uh, settle into a practice and become hopefully productive and more than that, happy. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Mm -hmm. Elise. Question number three, what are the typical symptoms that people experience with that problem? You know, their pain points. High turnover of employees, and especially in a veterinary practice, clients interacting with the receptionist, and I use the term receptionist rather than the more common client Mm -hmm. service representative, because I feel client service is an important thing that everybody in the practice actually practices, is taking care of the clients. I also go back to the word receptionist. And it's their job to receive you into the practice. So it involves that interaction and the empathy and the ability to relate to the clients when they come in. But what I find is that if you've got a high turnover of your support staff Mm -hmm. or worse, a high turnover of your doctors, I shouldn't say worse, or Mm -hmm. a high turnover of your doctors, this is a problem with attracting and keeping your clients. Mm -hmm. The practices also that that are not doing a good job of hiring and onboarding and getting their culture right are dealing with a lot of drama. And we all know how much fun it is to deal with drama. Every one of my doctors, when I'm talking to them, if they're thinking about taking on an associate, the first thing they want to offboard to an associate or a practice manager is dealing with the people. Absolutely. And yet I find that your job, your job description as the CEO is to create an environment where your team can grow and develop. Absolutely. And when you're dealing with all of these drama issues, Mm -hmm. you're not taking care of the work that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. So you're not as profitable as you can be. Absolutely. One of the main pain points, as you point out, and I personally have experience of this, and I'm sure many practice owners, practice leaders, is the high turnover. You know, there's nothing more disheartening than somebody leaving when you feel that you've done everything, when you feel like, you know, giving them the salary they asked for, giving them all, you know, everything that they asked for, and they're still <laughs> leaving. And it's often to do with, as you pointed out, some kind of psychology, you know, that we're just not getting right. And I was surprised at how much psychology there was in leadership, you know, in dealing with people. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Thank you for that, Elise. So question number four, what are the common mistakes that people make when trying to solve that problem? You know, the things they try that they thought might work, the things they try but fail. The biggest problem, and it's particularly common with professionals and veterinarians in particular, Mm -hmm. is that they try to do it all on their own. You all have a lot of medical knowledge and very smart people. However, you receive very little training in how to lead a business, especially lead a business in the 21st century. 
Henry Ford used to comment that I'm hiring you for your hands, Mm -hmm. not your head. When I want you to think, I'll tell you to do that. (laughs) Well, that's not the case today. Yeah. Everybody has access to Google. Mm-hmm. The best kept secrets that we think people have are really out there that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be dealing with the business environment, the environment in general that we're living in today. Mm-hmm. Most of the veterinarians that come to me for help in their practices have never worked in a practice the way they want their practice to run. Okay. So they don't have good role models. Mm-hmm. that they can look to and say, I actually can have a practice with a good culture. They just know they want a culture that's different from all of the ones that they have worked in. Mm-hmm. They also don't know where to turn to for help. There are very few books out there right now that talk with veterinarians about how to actually run a business in the 21st century. Absolutely. And it's very different than what it was last century okay so basically leadership is trying to do it all that's the kind of the biggest mistake not recognizing that they should focus on only what they're good at and then outsource a lot of the things that they're not good at to someone else who can help them like a mentor or coach a business like yours that can help them with the problems that they are not trained to deal with right we want to keep them in the loop we don't Mm -hmm. want them to be sheltered or kept away from what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But at Strategic, we have regular frequent meetings with them that are Mm -hmm. productive meetings, not a waste waste of time meetings, Mm -hmm. where we're talking with them about what's going on in their business and helping them even learn how to outsource, but be able to evaluate whether or not what they're doing is working. And in today's environment, more than anything, We have to experiment and adapt because things are changing so quickly with us that we have to be able to monitor what's going on Mm -hmm. in order to make sure that what we're trying is really working. And if it's not working, we tweak it. And Mm -hmm. that takes time, which is a very scarce resource in today's times that we're living, but it does take time to do it, which most of you don't have. Mm-hmm. So having a coach or somebody that can work with you to mm-hmm. help you understand even what you're working with. You're absolutely right. Like those key financial numbers, the vets or the owners don't have to know all the data. They just need to know the key numbers that they need to watch and then discuss it with someone with a coach or mentor like yourself to see what that all means and where and how they can work with those numbers to either improve them or in some cases, or reduce them in others. Fantastic. Right. Right. Thank you. Uh, Let's go to question number five. What is one valuable free action, Elise, that someone listening to this can implement that will help them solve that problem? What's your top tip? Okay, this is going to sound very strange Uh that I'm saying this to a veterinarian and a business owner, but what I am going to say is you need to be vulnerable with your team. What I would do is look at what it is, really go inside myself and say, what is that I want my practice to look like? What am I trying to achieve? And then go to your team and ask for their help. Now, assuming that you've got the right people on your team and you're not going to your most toxic employees that you refuse to liberate into the market, 
go to your team, share with them what you want to achieve, and then check in with them very often and regularly to find out what is going on. Mm-hmm. And I, it is interesting to me that there are even large CPA firms mm-hmm. that we function on time and billing in a CPA firm. But even the CPA firms are learning that you have to have regular check-ins mm-hmm. with your team members to see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. We have a template that we've developed with some help of some very knowledgeable people in this area. Mm-hmm. We can help you learn how to do a check-in. Mm-hmm. Renee Brown, the PhD medical yeah. social worker, yeah. has an excellent TED Talk on vulnerability yeah. that I'm going to suggest you go listen to if you think this is too soft, touchy-feely and not something you should be doing as a practice owner. But I think unless the wisdom of the crowd frequently helps you in learning how to get where you want to go because dictating to your team, today Mm -hmm. we are going to be, just Mm -hmm. doesn't work anymore. Absolutely. So that's a good lesson for me in that, as you say, vulnerability is not a weakness. Actually, it can be a strength, you know, in how, you know, in uh, talking with your team frequently and telling them what may be some of the issues and getting everybody to help try and solve it. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. How often would you check in with team members, Elise? Weekly, every two weeks, or is that just depending on position? In the perfect world that I like to live in, yeah. I would like you to be checking in on a fairly frequent, well, especially with new hires. Okay. I do check-ins with new hires once a week, then it might extend to every other week mm-hmm. in the recommendations, which you can believe or not, are at least quarterly with your more seasoned teams. Mm -hmm. But it also kind of depends on where the team member is, Mm -hmm. what might be going on in their lives Mm -hmm. right now. And I'm not saying you want to become a therapist, but you have a saying in veterinary medicine, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And that works with our team members also. If they've got some particularly hard things that are going on in their life right now, Mm -hmm. just talk to them, ask them, you know, how can I help kind of thing to borrow Mm -hmm. from New Amsterdam's famous line kind of thing. How can I help on what's going on? But the benefit paid back to you by checking in with your team members to find out very early on Mm -hmm. what might be simmering beneath the surface because we all know how much veterinarians like to have difficult conversations with people. Mm. And Mm. so they wait and put off thinking that things are going to get better, which they never do. And finally, that proverbial straw breaks the camel's back and things get said that should never be said. Feelings Mm. are hurt and just there's never a good outcome on it. So doing these check-ins and the template is not just how are you doing? There's some very specific questions that are asked, not mm-hmm. necessarily all of them every week, mm-hmm. but just spending a few focus minutes with your team members, perfect world ever, at least once a month, mm-hmm. but at least if you do it once a quarter. And we've done away with all the performance reviews and those kinds of time, you know, tools that we've talked about forever mm-hmm. that have never accomplished anything. That time spent on check-ins 
versus doing an annual performance review, mm-hmm. it's less time with a much better outcome. Absolutely. And Elise, it's a lesson I learned early in my marriage, actually, that <laughs> I don't have to solve all the problems. <laughs> I just have to be there to listen and to know that I can just let the other person know that you know I care and mm-hmm. that I'm here, I'm listening. And if I can help, I will help. Yeah. You still got a wedding ring on, right? Yeah, I still got a wedding. <laughs> 28 years so far. It works. <laughs> yeah, it works. Great. So let's go to question number six. Only two questions to go. What is one valuable free resource that you can direct people that you can direct people to that will help with their problem? Well, I'm going to deviate for a moment on my answer and give you two sources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of them is obviously our website, strategicveterinaryconsulting.com. Mm-hmm strategicveterinaryconsulting.com. And you can go there and contact us and I'll be more than happy to talk to you about Mm -hmm. some of these these ideas and things that may be able to be implemented in your practice. Mm -hmm. Or you could go to enlightenedrebels.vet if you're interested in learning more about 21st century business practices mm-hmm. as they work in a veterinarian clinic. Okay. And we'll have those two resources in the resources link section of the podcast, Elise. Okay. Fantastic. Those sound really valuable. And finally, question number seven, what's the one thing that I should have asked you that I didn't, Elise? Does it work? And I will absolutely tell you that what we are talking about does in fact work in a veterinary practice. Mm-hmm. The only way it works, however, is if you start doing something. We have so many stresses in our profession right now. Mm-hmm. We just can't sit around waiting for either somebody else to solve the problem or somehow things are going to get better on their own. Mm-hmm. There are resources that are out there. And the, what we're talking about works in all kinds of business. Mm-hmm. Many of you may be aware of Alan Mulally, mm-hmm. who turned around Ford when it was on the verge of bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. The tools that he used to achieve that turnaround mm-hmm. are very similar to what we're talking about in a veterinary practice. If you mm-hmm. look at Southwest Airlines that most of us are familiar with, mm-hmm. Gravity Inc., the on-call, the call center that works with credit cards, Mm -hmm. that has the $70,000 minimum wage in that business. If you look at Pantagonia, all of these businesses use 21st century business tools to achieve their success that they have in their companies of having people wanting to come to work for them. Mm -hmm. They Businesses that use these tools outperform the S&P 500 and most Dow Jones companies in the profitability that they achieve. Mm -hmm. Many of Strategic's clients are using these tools Mm -hmm. and are back happy with their decision to become a veterinarian. Absolutely. That's such valuable advice, Elise. So, you know, knowing it and doing it are two different things. Just go ahead and start it is what you're saying, you know, and things will develop and you can refine them and iterate them as time goes on, but, but start, start. There's no better start time to start. Start doing something. Absolutely. Wow. Thanks, Elise. You gave us some really valuable insights about how people can start to enjoy their practices, enjoy coming to work each day as owners of their practices. And I'm sure our listeners will take away some really valuable ideas and tips. Once again, I just want to say thank you 
for taking the time to join us on the podcast. Thank you. It was great fun.